0: It's a blessing to, to gather around the Word, to worship together, to be a part of deacon ordination, and so thankful uh, for, for our deacons and, and the opportunity to gather. And so, uh, if you got your Bibles, we're going to be in Mark chapter 1. And if you have your Bibles, uh, I invite you to join me there, uh, looking at two verses, verses 14 and 15, and uh, in preparation to walk through these verses, just a kind of a, our direction for the next couple weeks, uh, we are walking through a series called Red Letters. And we're looking at seven commands of Christ that He gave His followers. And here's what I believe is my firm conviction, is that for those who genuinely uh, have a relationship with Jesus, desire to honor Him in every way. And so this is an opportunity for us as a family of faith to lean in and to listen to the words of Jesus, to listen to what He has commanded us in His Word, and then by His grace, by His strength, by His power, seek to live in obedience, bringing glory and honor to Him because He is worthy. We looked real quick last week at Acts 2, and we saw how the early church exploded from about 120 believers in a prayer meeting in an upper room to three thousand people uh, who repented and believed in Christ, and it was like instant mega church. And as you read at, read about that early church, you see that they they had specific actions that describe their gatherings. And the question became, how did they know to do this? Like we're talking about, like the early church has been launched. Now there's three thousand believers, and here they are. They're dedicated to the apostles' teaching. Uh, they are repenting, believing, baptizing, praying together, giving sacrificially, uh, taking communion together. It's like, how in the world did they know how to do these things? Like they're like literally like brand, 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 brand new Christians, and and the the how they knew was because this is what Jesus told them to do. It's what He instructed them to do, and so over the next seven weeks, we're going to look at seven commands of Christ. And we're going to listen into the voice of our King Jesus. And by His grace, we want to strive to honor Him in every way. So, uh, I want to say a word, and you're going to have a thought come to your mind when I say this word. Uh, It's probably going to be unique for all of us, but the word is this. The word is King. All right, King. I want you to think of that word, King. Different things are going to pop into your head. Uh, being in this region uh, in the Mid South, it is possible, possible that Jerry the King Lawler like, popped in your head uh, because he's the king of wrestling, right? And, and, uh, and then it could be that uh, you think, again, this region, this, this area, you think Elvis, right? Elvis is the king of rock and roll. And for me, I think a king, my first exposure to the word king and what king meant was at recess. Uh, we went to a hill on the back forty of, of, of the of the schoolyard, which I will just say this: whoever idea it was to stop working and go outside and play, like greatest rule ever as a kid, right? Uh, and, and 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 to the teachers who are on duty, God bless you. <laughs> that's that's that, that's what I'm saying. Uh, but you got, you got recess, and then I, I say we bring recess back, or like the nap time from kindergarten. Let's bring that back, right? Uh, can we do that? Let's try. Okay. Uh, but but so, so, king. We play king of the hill. We run out to the hill. There's a king. Their domain is that hill. And so for the next however long we're on recess, we're basically just trying to like take the king, dethrone the king, so that we can be the new king. And as long as we're the king, this is our domain, this is our territory. But there is constant opposition coming at this king of the hill. And so this idea of king, we all get it, whether it was through playing, trying to knock people off a hill, or, or like this idea of Elvis or Jerry, the Law, or Jerry King Lawler, or whatever that might be, whether it's movies, a book, a play, uh, whether it's looking across the Atlantic and looking to the British monarchy, We hear these these titles and these names, but we know what it means. If somebody's a king, that means they rule. If they're the king, they rule, and they reign over that territory. That territory belongs to them. And as we look to Scripture, and we start at the very beginning, we understand from creation, Genesis 1, 2, and 3, that there are two kingdoms that are actively at work and actively at war with each other. The same was true from creation as it is today. We may ask the question, why in the world do we see so much brokenness? How in the world could somebody do something that is so evil? How is it that these broken attitudes and actions just come up and we see that impact in our lives? And the reality is, is because there are two kingdoms and those kingdoms we learn early on are the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. There's two kingdoms. And here is the sobering truth that I hope to put before us today. Is that every single one of us are citizens of one of those kingdoms. You're either a citizen of the kingdom of God or you're a citizen of the kingdom of darkness. And it all started back in the garden when God created. In the beginning, God created. God created. And throughout creation, His crowning jewel of creation was when He created mankind. Man and woman. He created them in His image. And everything was absolutely perfect. It's hard to imagine a perfect place, isn't it? But it was perfect. Everything was perfect. The people walked in perfect communion with the Father. Perfect fellowship with the Father. And then, I don't know what the time frame looked like exactly, but all I know is in comes the deceiver and in comes the enemy. And he makes his way, and in the most deceptive of ways, he begins to whisper lies into Eve's ear. Did God really say that? Did God really, Did God really say those things? I mean, is that really true? And, and as, as Eve looked at the fruit that was... Forbidden, and as she saw that it was good and it was pleasurable to the eye and desirable for wisdom, her and Adam they took that fruit, and in that moment, they made a decision that we feel the effects of to this day, and the world will continue to experience its effects until King Jesus comes again. And that is the brokenness of sin. God said, Here's my design, here's my desire. Here's this perfect fellowship and communion that we're experiencing together. But there came this moment when when Eve and Adam, they entertained the thought that maybe there's a better way other than God's way. And so in that moment, they rebelled against God and they said, you know what, king, I want to be king of my life and I see a better way. And so and so. You are dethroned, and I am enthroning my heart, my wisdom, my desire. And when you depart from God's design, 100% of the time, that lands in brokenness every single time. And we all have experienced that brokenness in our lives. We all have seen that brokenness in the life of our world. And so here we see these two kingdoms. And they continue to be at war and ultimately there will be a day when King Jesus reigns forever and ever and ever and He makes all things new. But until then, there is a very real war. And God in His grace, in His amazing grace, has offered the only way to transfer your citizenship from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God's Son. He, there's only one way, and in his grace, he has provided this way. And so Paul says it like this in Colossians. He, he wrote, uh, he was the greatest missionary church planter, uh, on fire for God, loved the Lord. Paul was writing a, church, writing a letter to a church in Colossae, and he said it like this speaking of Christ, he says, He, Christ, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. In other words, what Paul is saying is I understand my sinfulness. I understand that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it is Christ and Christ alone that can deliver us from the power and rule and reign of sin and redeem us and to forgive us and to rescue us. And so the main idea of the message today is that Jesus invites all people, all people, to repent and believe the gospel. That Jesus invites all people to repent and to believe the gospel. This was, uh, I would say, I just call it maybe his one of one of, if not the first sermon Jesus ever preached. And all we have in those red letters are that it was a it was a simple message. It was a powerful message. It was a clear message. But in that message, it had eternal implications for all who would hear. For everyone. And so in these red letters, Jesus gives this first command to repent and believe the Gospel. That this is after His public baptism. He didn't have to be baptized. He's God. But yet, He He did it to be an example for all of us in what it looks like to follow in obedience. And then the Spirit led him into that wilderness to be tempted by the enemy. And then he leaves that time of testing. And here we see he launches out his, his, his public ministry. The disciples haven't been called yet. And here's the first message of Jesus. In Mark chapter 1, in verse 14, the Bible says this. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. That John, this is not the disciple John. This is not the apostle John. This isn't the one uh, in our Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. This isn't that John. This isn't the John that wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John towards the back half of your Bible. It's not the one that wrote the book of Revelation. That's the apostle John. This John is the John the baptizer. Uh, John the Baptist as he is known. And the Bible says that he was arrested. So we're getting kind of some, some clues as to what's happening uh, in, the, in the culture, in the context of this message. John has been arrested. Why has he been arrested? Because John, don't know the details, Matthew 14 tells us uh, about this encounter, but, but, but John the baptizer had an audience with the Roman ruler Herod Antipas. And John, who was very bold, very courageous, very much a, a taking a firm stand on the Word of God that he has this audience with Herod Antipas and he brings uh, unwanted truth to Herod. And he tells him that you have unlawfully married your wife. Herodias is her name. Herod Antipas married his brother's wife. And you can just sense the, the, the drama and the tension and all of that. And so John is, is, is calling him out. And no one likes to be confronted with, with sin. Here's Aunt Herod Antipas, and he's being confronted. And so what does he do? He arrests him. He puts him away. Why? why Why? does he arrest him? Because he's a nuisance. He's a problem. And so he arrests him, but he doesn't put him to death because John the baptizer is very popular. and He has a he has a following. And he knows that if they did something there, that things could really get off the rails. And so Herod's having a party. Herodias speaks with her daughter. I don't know exactly what the conversation looked like. But but basically sends her daughter out to dance for Herod. And the Bible says, again, Matthew 14, she dances. He's pleased. He says to her, what do you want? Anything you want, I'll give it to you. And Herodias had earlier told her daughter, when he asks you what you want, you tell him you want John the Baptist's head on a platter. And she tells, and that's how John's story comes to a close. But John the baptizer, his, his ministry was one of prepare the way, prepare the way, prepare the way, and then get out of the way. That for John the Baptizer, his ministry, he was completely good with just being a voice in the wilderness. He didn't need accolade, he didn't need recognition, he didn't need any of those things. He was completely good with just being the voice that pointed people to Jesus. And so, again, his ministry, I must decrease, he must increase. And so here we have seen John the baptizer has prepared the way, prepared the way, make straight the way, and then he gets out of the way. And John the baptizer ministry comes to a close and Jesus' public ministry launches out. And of all places, it launches in Galilee. The Bible says that He came preaching the good news in Galilee. Galilee, this is, this is just kind of culture... Uh, uh, dynamics. Judea was in the south. That's where Jerusalem was. uh, Galilee was to the north. Samaria kind of separated the two. Uh, But here's the thing. Uh, It's been said that Judeans might view themselves as Manhattan millionaires and that they might view Galileans as like uh, like hillbillies from the woods or something like that. Like there was this socio uh, like economic prejudice that was just sick and, and messed up and and, and where does Jesus go to start His public ministry? In Galilee. What good can come out of Nazareth? Christ's hometown. And so He comes and He brings this good news, which, don't miss this, this good news is for everybody. It's for the Manhattan millionaires. It's for them. But it's also for those who are in the most rural parts of the world. God desires all people to come to faith in Him. And so, Here we are, and and here is the message. He says again in verse 14, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So the time is fulfilled. The time is finally here. The time that was set in eternity past, that time has now come. I love how Paul says it in Galatians, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. And so this plan that has been mapped out from from eternity past is now happening in real time. And so from the beginning of creation, Genesis 1, we mentioned it earlier, all through the Old Testament, what do we see? From the garden, from the fall, from man's rebellion, God said there will be one who will come who will crush the serpent's head. He's going to strike your heel, but there will be one who crushes the serpent's head. All through the Old Testament, it's pointing to the Messiah, to the King who will come. Every ceremonial sacrifice the Jews would would take off with in the temple, it, it all pointed to a greater once and for all sacrifice. Like every earthly king that sat on a throne there was always this understanding of there has to be a greater, truer king. Like every single king showed the need for a true and greater king. Every sacrifice pointing to the once and for all sacrifice. All the prophets are pointing to the day and the time when the Messiah, the true king would come. And here it is, the fullness of time. King Jesus has come. And the Bible says that He says the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. That kingdom of God is a, is a truth that is that is rock solid for us as believers today, but it's, it's also a rock solid truth that we will all experience one day. And so it, it's, an, it's, it's an already not yet teaching from the Word. So it's not yet in the sense of turn on your news for like two seconds. Walk into a store and... Linger for an hour. Um, Watch and see broken things happen all around you. It takes no time to understand that there are two kingdoms that are at work. Kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And, and, And so there is coming a kingdom of God time when Jesus will come again, where He will rule and reign forever and ever and ever, and He will make all things new. And so that time is coming. coming but there's also a kingdom of God aspect that's true for us right now as believers because the kingdom of God essentially means the rule and reign of God and as a believer when we have repented and believed in King Jesus to sit on the throne of our lives and and by his grace we desire to follow him which by the way and I'm going to get to this not perfectly not perfectly but yet our desire is to live a life that honors and glorifies Him and lives yielded to Him, what happens is as we obey Christ and we honor Him, we experience the kingdom of God. Why? Because it's the rule and reign of Christ in our hearts and through our lives. And so it's an already and it's a not yet type of moment. And Jesus is saying, because I am the king wherever I am, the kingdom of God is present. In verse 15, he says again, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the Gospel. This message is so clear. It's so simple. It's so grace-filled. And yet it has eternal implications. The message is repent and believe. It's two commands. And these two commands are companions to one end. And that is, Christ says to experience His rule and reign in your life, there's one way, repent and believe in Him. And that leads repentance and faith to salvation. i got a group of guys I meet with, two guys. We get knee to knee, and we read through the Word. We have a d-group together. We read through the Word together. We pray for each other. We hold each other accountable. We speak life into one another's life. And we are following Jesus together. Uh, And so as we've done that, we've got a book uh, that we're kind of walking through as well. The book is called Multiply. uh, And David Platt, uh, Francis Chan, kind of put this book together. But I love what Francis Chan says in this writing. And he, he does this, and I want us all to be challenged to do this, okay? Try to take what we just read as literally as you possibly can. In other words, if someone came up to you and they said, Get ready a king and his army are coming to you. What's going on in your mind? you got two options. One option is you decide in your mind you don't want to live surrendered to another king. You like being your own king. You like doing your own thing. You want to do things your own way. And so what are you doing? You're preparing to fight. You're preparing to resist. You're preparing to deny. And then the, the other The other side of that is when the King is coming and the army is coming, you choose to fight or you choose peace. And Christ is communicating in His grace and His love, if you want peace, there's only one way. Through a life-giving relationship with Him that is initiated and launched through repentance and faith. That word repent means to turn. It means it's the idea of changing directions. It's going another way. It involves action. It involves people having a change of mind about the way they live their lives. There is no salvation apart from repentance. There's no salvation apart from repentance. Jesus says, repent and believe. I almost think about it like this. Last year we had a whiteboard. Up here. I want us to pretend that whiteboard is sitting up here again. And I want you to pretend that I got a red marker and I draw a gigantic heart on it. And I draw a big heart on it, and then I draw a little, a little, a really fancy, ornate throne chair on that. And and here's what I'm saying. I want us to think about our hearts, not in the sense of the of the of the organ itself, but rather in the sense of it is the control center of our lives. And that every life has a throne room in that heart. And whomever or whatever is on that throne is your object of worship. And whoever is in that throne, in that object of worship, that is going to, that is going to radically uh, affect the way you live your life, orient your life, what you think, say, and do. And, and, and let's, just take a, let's just ask the Holy Spirit to, to show us right now who's on that throne. is, is, are you on that throne? Is your spouse on that throne? Are your children on that throne? Is a fishing pole on that throne? Is your job on that throne? Is school on that throne? I had somebody come by after the 8 o'clock service and they said, you know, when you started naming those things, I was really glad you didn't say golf club. (laughs) I I was like, hey, I'm going to bring the golf club in this next hour. But, But here's why I say that, like, Think about it. Who's on the throne is our object of worship. And our object of worship shapes everything we think, say, and do. And the heart has a throne and there's only one who is worthy to sit on that throne. And it is King Jesus he is the one. And so what is repentance? Repentance is coming to that time and place in your life where you understand God and his grace has made a way where there was no way. That he lived a life that you could never live, that he was crucified on a Roman cross and shed his blood paying the price for our sin, a price we could never pay. He actually took our place on the cross because we all deserve that. And then they took him off the cross and they placed him in the tomb and he rose from the dead proving that he has the power, the power to forgive our sin and to give us peace with God. Repentance is when you say, I understand God's incredible grace and love toward me. And in response to his grace and love toward me, I am repenting and I am trusting in you. I am repenting, meaning I am getting out of the throne of my, of my life and I'm taking off the crown. Because my whole life has been about me. My whole life has been about what I want to do. And and so now I understand that there is a greater and truer King. And only through a relationship with this greater, truer King can I experience life and life to the full. And so in repentance, I turn from my Lordship and I turn to King Jesus to be Lord of my life. And He says, He says, That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That word Lord, you you might get interchange King. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is King and believe that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Repentance and faith. Jesus to all people in Galilee and all around. is to have peace with the King. You repent and Believe, And so I must ask this question. Is that have you made peace with the king? Do No, not, not anybody else. Not the person beside you. Not the person that maybe even as we're walking through this message. You, you kind of have them on your heart. Your heart. Do you have peace with the king? Do you have peace with the king? Because so often in, in, in sharing the good news about Jesus. The fact of, of in His grace that He's made a way where there was no way. That, that in this Gospel, that asking people, how, how do you know, how will you spend eternity in heaven? Like, what's your answer for that? How do you do that? And oftentimes, the answer is, is, is you just got to be good enough. And the problem with being good enough is, is this, who sets that standard? Like, who determines that? Rather, the Bible actually tells us, and I mean this in the most loving, gracious way, and I'm talking about myself too, the Bible actually tells us that we're not good. We can do good things, but but our hearts have rebelled against a Holy God. Against the one true King. And that in His grace, He has made a way where there was no way. And so, in His grace, He has come And in His grace, His kingdom is at hand. And in His grace, He is extending a relationship with you for peace, forgiveness, rest, purpose, and eternal life. And that invitation is to you. And how do you get there? His very first message, repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the good news. And so it is so possible to be in this room right now and let like... Even this message, it almost seems like it's for those who are living apart from a relationship with Jesus. And it absolutely is. But let's not miss the application for our lives as believers. For those who have had that time and place where they got off the throne and received King Jesus as Lord over the throne. Because here is the thing. Every believer can testify that though you have been saved by grace through faith you have struggles and you have uh, things that you have allowed to hinder your relationship with him there are areas of sin in our lives that we don't like to bring in the light like Herod like like don't talk about that i don't want to hear about that like go like, go to the cell john the baptist like i don't want to see you like like we have this 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 impulse to just like not want to know that. But here's the reality. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But God demonstrates His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so the encouragement for the believer who's been walking with Jesus for three months or 30 years is how do we continue moving forward in our relationship with God and the reality is, we are saved by grace through faith, through repentance and faith. That that is a moment in time. And you are forever saved. And God, the Bible says, has you in the, in, the, in, the, in the palm of His hand. And the Bible says, no one can snatch you out of His hand. I am so thankful that I can lay my head on my pillow at night in peace to know that I'm His and He's mine. But for the believer, we also know we still have areas of our life that don't honor God, that don't glorify Him, that, that we, we want to keep tucked away, that we don't want to deal with, and whether it's attitudes or actions, uh, whatever that is. And, and so, so how do we move forward? The message is the same. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. I have, uh, I have now successful... Well, I, successful is a, a, that's a strong word. I have helped... <laughs> four of my children, four of my five kiddos to learn how to ride a bike. And can I just plant the seed? If you're planning on training anybody to ride a bike, just go and start those lower back exercises right now and, uh, because you're going to need those because you spend a lot of time like this right here and you spend a lot of time holding that car seat and, or, that, or that bike seat and a lot of time holding that, those, those handlebars and you start doing like this right here. And, and, I, and I can remember... Saying the same three phases or three phrases over and over and over again, and here are my three phases: stay in the middle. And when I'm saying stay in the middle, what I'm saying is like it's really easy to like just do that, or really easy to do that. But it, and, like you want to move around, it's like no, just stay in the middle. Stay in the middle. Stay in the middle. Stay in the middle. Second. By the way, I'm thinking about doing a workshop on how to turn kids around <laughs> a bike. By the way, uh, so this is extra, right? Uh, you didn't even intend for this, so. Um, enjoy right okay so uh the second uh, instruction look up look up because if you ever tried riding a bicycle looking down doesn't really work out that great <laughs> you're gonna hit something very soon so so stay in the middle look up stay in the middle look up stay in the middle look up and then my other my other instruction is keep your feet on the pedals Keep your feet on the pedals. Because when you start doing this and look up and do all that, now you got to keep your feet on the pedals, stay in the middle, look up, and you just keep pumping those legs, pump, pumping those pedals, pumping those pedals. And, 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 and this for, for some time is, is how I have envisioned how repentance and faith work in a believer's life. Because you don't move forward if you stop pedaling. And the only way to move forward is to keep both feet on the pedals. And to keep them both going. And so it's repentance and faith. Repentance and faith. Repentance and faith. What do I do when I mess up? Guess what? Everybody messes up. Call it what it is. Call it sin. Repent from it. It's a change of mind. It's a change of direction. Repent and rest repent and rest repent and trust the gospel repent and believe the gospel what does the gospel say we are at peace with god we are forgiven there's nothing we could do that can make god love us more there's nothing we've done that can make god love us less repent believe repent believe what happens you keep growing you keep maturing we never stop maturing It call it sanctification it's this idea that when you're saved by grace through faith god loves us enough And gifts us His Spirit to empower us to live lives that bring honor and glory to Him. And that He molds us. Romans 8 says, the ultimate will of God is that you are conformed to the image of God's Son. And and when is that going to happen? Not in this lifetime, right? And so there's this this love relationship with God that fuels His, His grace, fuels our obedience. And it's repentance and faith. And it's just continuing to trust Him. And what happens? He continues to move us forward in His grace and in His love. And so we see we see the King's message. We see the King's invitation. The timing is now. kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. There's a message for all of us through these red letters of Jesus. And so I want to invite you to pray with me as we... Um, wrap up our time in God's Word. But as we we do wrap up, I want to invite you and all of us to reflect on what we have just heard from God's Word. And I want us to reflect on the truth of His Word. And I want you to hear His pursuit of His creation, even in the Galilean mountains, that this good news is for all people. It's for all people. And so for the believer, for the believer in the room that perhaps you've been walking with Jesus for decades. Decades. And yet you have come to this place in your relationship with Him where the spark or the flame doesn't seem as hot as it once was. And that could be for multiple reasons. But it could be that there is something very specific that the Holy Spirit is revealing in your life that is a hindrance to your love relationship with God. The enemy has been the liar and deceiver since the beginning of time. And he continues to whisper lies of, But what would they say? What would they do? What would they think? Just keep it in the dark. But the power is that sin loses its power when it's brought into the light. And that it's in that moment that we discover God's amazing, limitless grace, the power of the family of faith to come alongside and by your grace and through the power of your Spirit, repent and rest. Repent and rest and rest. Repent and rest. Repent and rest. God, I pray for renewal. I pray for revival. I pray for a fresh work in our hearts as Your people. Revival could be a prayer away. Father, I pray for that person are those persons that may be here and they're listening in and they hear Your words and we understand why the world is in the condition that it's in. But yet in Your grace, how You pursue that loving relationship, making a way to have peace, have forgiveness, and it only comes through a relationship with Jesus through repentance and faith dethroning self, a change of mind, a change of direction, and turning to King Jesus and surrendering your heart to Jesus as Lord. And He promises to save you, rescue you, redeem you, free you, grant you the gift of His Spirit to indwell you, giving you the grace and the strength to put one foot in front of the next at times, just a day at a time at times. But he loves you so much. So it could be that you are ready to transfer your citizenship. There is no third kingdom. There's the kingdom of God, the kingdom of darkness, and there's one way through a relationship with Jesus. And so, Father, I pray that you would work and reveal and guide and convict. And ultimately, we hear your voice above all the noise, above our pride above our struggle, above uh, our, our, our rationalizing. God, we hear your voice and we respond in faith and obedience. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll invite you to stand with me as we pray and, and know we have pastors here who would love to pray for you. Altar is always open. We're a family of faith and uh, just encouragement to open our hearts to however the Lord might be leading in our lives.